With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I like that you get the king in here. But what about that midnight train to Georgia? Oh, we could play that one. I love that Midnight train to Wrigley. Uh, I, I still can't believe it's taken him that long. Oh, I can. It's train travel in 2018. I mean, it stopped being the primary source of travel in the 1930s, probably. Oof. At least for long-distance mm. travel. Hey, by the way, the Twins are going to Wrigley Field this weekend where they are 4-8 and eight all time against the Cubs in the friendly confines. So, uh... I don't know what that means, but uh, they're not. Uh, well, I mean, they're they're. I want to get into this a little bit here. They're. It's not that they're losing, and it's not even how they're losing, which they're is kind boring. of boring. They are boring. Yeah. They are yep. a lifeless, lifeless team. And that was what was so fun about last summer is you kind of started to see some of the glimpses of what we've been hearing about with the prospects and Bucks and making catches all over the field. That it they were exciting to watch. And, and this, they won in spite of their front office selling yes. them out at the deadline last year. And we yeah. kept saying, well, why, how are they doing this? But we didn't care. At least I didn't. I didn't care how it was getting done. They were, yeah, they'd, they'd lose 15 to 1, but then they'd find a way to take 2 or 3 from whatever team. It, this team is just lifeless. It's just absolutely lifeless. And a lot of that is the roster. I mean, when you look at, if you go out there and you look at their defense sometimes, it's hey, here, Andrianza, Tyler, Taylor Motter, Robbie Grossman, mm. and for a while over drifting. You know, in, in and around center field was Ryan Lamar. I mean, that's four, you know, and then Bobby Wilson's a great catcher, but, you know, he can't hit a lick. Dozier can't hit anything. Mm-hmm. He couldn't hit water as if, if he fell out of a boat, as they used to say. now, I believe. And Logan Morrison, who, you know, is responsible for the Twins' run here today with a solo home run, I think he's been above 200 about three days this year. Um, you're never going to win like that. And that's the thing. They're getting good pitching, good starting pitching. Mm-hmm. And for what, the last 10 years that had been their Achilles heel, they could not put together quality starts more than one a week, and they were grinding their bullpen to a nub. I mean, their bullpen's still getting overworked to a degree, but that's Major League Baseball today. And I think that that's what's so frustrating about you know the average twins slash the average baseball fan is that you see the large mountain that you have to climb. I mean, you look yeah. at you talking Houston. about just this season. Oh, I'm just talking, talking about in general, general the American League. You look at Houston and the Yankees, and I know they took two or three from Boston, but those yeah, teams they, are they, such. You think they take three or five from them in a series? But my point is, they're they are on a such higher platform than the Twins are That's right correct. now, and it, and it's because of the way that their rosters are constructed. And I hate saying this because. For the longest time, we're supposed to hate the Yankees for everything that they can go out and yeah, spend on. Yeah, but they did it, the right, done it the right way. They've drafted and developed it. This yeah. And they traded. You know, they when they traded Chapman, they've got they got the Torres kid, and they 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 knew they were bad slash mediocre, and they blew it up. 
And they and went it out. didn't take long to no. get better. No, it didn't. And it also helps that you have the resources to go and make a trade for Giancarlo Stanton and pay him the 300 whatever million dollars that that contract called for. But it's just it just stinks because those teams are clearly head and shoulders above everybody else. And right now you look at the Twins as a whole, the the young players, the only guy that's showing you anything as far as, you know, prospects that are on the club right now is Barrios. Or Max Kepler's doing fairly well. Yeah, I mean, Kepler's doing okay. But Kepler, maybe Kepler, I, I kind of consider Kepler like maybe a, just a slight, I mean, he's a young player that they figured to be a part of their future, but he's maybe like a, like He's a Barrios. complimentary player, maybe. Right, right, because your stars are supposed to be Barrios, which he's fine, but your your star third baseman or first baseman, whatever the hell he's going to be now going forward, is a mess. Your center fielder is can't stay healthy, can't stay healthy, can't hit and, a and, and he can't. He, his bat is just nothing right now. So there, there is, you know, Royce Lewis. Okay, he's doing fine, but he's still a little bit away from I know, coming but three up. Three years so. ago, all we kept talking about was Buxton and Sano and yeah. how this was going to be the future. So, I mean, I, I'll get excited about Royce Lewis when I see him put together a quality right. major league season. So now it's like, what what is there to be outside of Barrios? What is there to be super optimistic about as far as the future is concerned? Well, the Eddies are looking pretty good. I mean, yeah, I yeah mean, but one of them might not be around much longer. In Escobar, what's his contract? Well, he's status? a free agent at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, he's going to come. And, he, and he's, he's going to command. And he, well, and he's a guy that you might be able to get something for in return. And I know that mostly the, the the players moved his pitching, but he's a guy that could still contribute on a on a contending ball club. It just stinks because this was supposed to be the rebuild. This yeah. was supposed to be the payoff, yeah. and now it looks like they're headed for another one. Derek Wetmore brought up a good point too: is that if you wait to the deadline to start selling off. A lot of clubs out there may have already taken care of their needs because the trade deadline doesn't... The pressure to trade has been kind of moved up a little bit. That market now starts a little bit earlier. Well, so going into this season, and Pat and I argued about this, but I said just about half of baseball had zero intention of trying to win a pennant. Yeah, the tanking level has yeah. been astronomical. And that was at the start of the season, and now... Look at the division. Cleveland's the only team that has a chance to to make the postseason. A just a a, a a realistic chance to make the postseason. If you look at the West, you've got obviously the the Astros. You've got the Mariners who are playing really well. The Angels are still in the hunt despite Otani being hurt. Oakland's around five hundred, but Texas is garbage. And then in the East, it's the Yankees and it's and it's the Red Sox, and the rest of that division is terrible. And once you get to the deadline, I guess t- too, I, Tampa Bay's not terrible, but they're they're okay, they're mediocre. And once you get to the deadline too, I mean, there's candidates that the Twins have, you know, Dozier and you know maybe Escobar. There's bats that you would think, okay, yeah, last year their deals and they you know maybe move them, but everybody's everybody that's contending at the deadline, they're all going to be looking for arms mm-hmm. because that's what everybody's always looking at. At the deadlines, they're looking for bullpen help or starting pitching help. And, you know, I mean, so you you wonder if they do decide to sell. Like, there's candidates, but how many of these guys are they really going to be able to trade away for value, for any sort of value whatsoever? Because everybody's going to be looking for arms. I'm sorry, I was just looking at that Bob, that Bob Nightingale column that he wrote last week that got a lot of traction about all the things that, all the woes that are kind of caving in on baseball. I wish I had the stat right in front of me, but it was to the extent of the, this season 
is for the first time on pace to have more teams with 100 wins and and more teams with a 400 or less winning percentage all in the same season. Wow. Which is a despair. You know, we all learned sure. before the last work stoppage, which was what, uh, or the threat of the last work stoppage in the, in the early 2000s. 2002. There's a disparity between the have and the have-nots, and that was market-driven. You know, whether the big market teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Red Sox, you know, the arms race that they were in compared to the Kansas Cities and the Milwaukee's and maybe even the Twins. Well, it's not even so much now dictated on whether they spend money or have the ability to spend money because the teams are awash in money right now. The league is making unbelievable amounts of money. But now you have teams that aren't motivated to compete. Uh, the teams that are deliberately, as we say, data they're data crunched into inertia. They're basically making the decision that we're going to tank, we're going to rebuild, they're going to follow the Houston Astros model because yep. it worked. Yep. And it worked wonderfully. The I Cubs mean, model. Yeah. The Cubs model and the and yeah. the and the Astros model. So how is that good for competitive balance? Well, and, and not it, to and, mention and it, you've already got an unwatchable product in general now. Yep. yep. Uh f- being played by a bunch of unwatchable teams. And that's the, you know, cuz I think it was Stark who was on with the boys and just said the ball's just not in play enough. And that's what's yes. hurting the game. The, yep. it's too many strikeouts and home runs. We're we're not seeing, you know, a lot of First to third, you know, deep. Sink. We're not seeing any of that anymore. Do you know what the really average troubling. time between balls and play has been measured? Sports Illustrated just measured oh, this. God. Take a guess. Average time between balls in play. So not pitches, but actual. You know yeah. what? I I don't even know. I'm trying Five to three minutes, minutes forty five oh, seconds. Oof. That's almost four minutes. Oh my god! Of downtime. That's frightening. If so, you're a baseball I mean, fan. yeah, you've got to you've got to close that gap at some point. Uh, well, we're not going to solve baseball woes in one segment, so we'll just kind of keep monitoring it all season long. But uh, not a good summer, not a good summer portending here at Target Field. Uh, this is Brian Murphy in for Royce. We'll have Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com next to talk about the Daniil Hunter uh, contract and also what maybe is the most intriguing thing heading into Vikings training camp. The Ride with Royce. Down the same old strip. On 1500 ESPN. Brian Murphy in for Patrick Ricey on the ride. And speaking of ride, joining me is Courtney Cronin of ESPN.com. She covers the Vikings. Uh, I hope you don't mind me asking, but you said you were driving somewhere. Are you going somewhere fun at least for the till training camp starts? Not, not yet. I'm going out to Colorado in a few weeks. I'm actually on a work assignment this weekend, but uh, in traffic in Chicago. So, I mean, this, this is what I'm used to. This uh, is home, so. Yeah, good luck with that because Patrick Royce is taking a train there, and it's I think it's taken more than 10 hours, and he's still only in Milwaukee, so at least you're close. <laughs> um, Vikings made some news yesterday. They stepped on the gas again, signing one of their top defensive players, uh, Daniil Hunter. Third-year defensive end, he gets... Uh, a reported deal with uh, five years, fourteen point four million average salary, forty million in guarantees, including a fifteen million dollar signing bonus. Boy, that's a that's a truckload of money for a second year starter and third round draft draft choice. Courtney, what does it say that the Vikings chose to lock him up before he would become a free agent? Well, Murph, I think it says a number of things. Number one. Take a look at Daniil's situation. Had he and his representation decided to wait on two different fronts, if they wanted to wait until Khalil Mack got his deal, which is certainly pending, and everything that we're hearing, the indication is that he's going to get paid this offseason and, and very soon, Daniil could have you know, used that as leverage, or even going into next year, 
Um, could, have, could have been a candidate for the franchise tag and then have been in a DeMarcus Lawrence situation where he gets to break the bank ahead of, uh, you know, after that season, so going into the 2020 season. But, you know, he's 23 years old. They lock him up for five more years on this extension. He'll be about 28 uh, by the time his deal's up. And, you know, $15 million signing bonus uh, over that. You can get some money up front out of that with $40 million in guarantees. I just every, – every indication here is that the Vikings truly value their pass rushers. They value, they value players who can – get to the quarterback, those sack numbers are very important in determining contracts and really the value that you're paying for these types of players. And, you know, with a guy like Daniil, those third-round picks that they traded up for to get him in 2015, he came out of college with four-and-a-half sacks. He was raw, but he had incredible upside and just a physique that, you know, Mike Zimmer said was, you know, pretty much perfect. Uh, yesterday, I mean, he's not lying. These, these, the development that Daniel has had in this three-year stretch uh, in Minnesota is gone faster than they thought. And you really, once you find guys like that, you try to lock them up because you don't want him to hit the open market because pass rushers are at a premium in the NFL. And the Vikings have two of them. How good of a tandem are Hunter and Everson Griffin? I mean, you saw what happened last year. Griffin had two years left on his deal. He gets the extension. Um, and he goes out and has a career year. Would not be surprised if, if Hunter's back to double-digit sack numbers uh, in the 2018 season. Those two coming off the edge, the speed that they have off the edge, and the athleticism, um, and just so disruptive with, with, with the way that they get into the backfield and get to the quarterback. This is, pretty, I mean, there's a reason that this defensive line from top to bottom is one of the most star-studded in the league and one of the most feared in the league. And certainly having someone like Daniil, who's barely on the cusp of his prime, uh, when we think about, you know, the prime for guys maybe starting around the age of 25, I mean, Everson Griffin is 29 right now, and he's very much in his prime. Daniil's not even going to be that old uh, when his contract's up with the Vikings. So, you know, they, they have a very good thing going. Uh, both Griffin and Hunter are under contract now through, uh, through 2020 season, 2022 season. Uh, and Hunter is obviously one more year through 2023. You uh, you also wrote the Vikings now have 10 players under contract at least through 2020. About mm-hmm. half of them are on offense and half on defense. Who are these players and why is this significant? Well, if I can remember off the top of my head, obviously Kirk Cousins is in there, Riley Reeves, Salvin Cook, Adam Thielen. Uh, you know, a lot everybody that's on this list, I mean, on defense, uh, Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, uh, you know, as I mentioned, Griffin and and Hunter and even Linville Joseph. Uh, I think that's nine. I might be forgetting. Eric Kendricks, and you got them all. Yes, Eric Kendricks. Um, these are core players. This is the foundation of this franchise. And when you're in the midst of the Super Bowl window, however big or small that window is, you want to keep your core guys together for as long as you can. Guys that you value as irreplaceable parts of this team. Um, and I think that very much you can say that about every single one of those players. Obviously, we don't know. Uh, how Kirk Cousins is going to pan out yet because we haven't seen him in, in purple and white. Uh, but, you know, once the season starts, I mean, they, very easily with their cap situation and how much creativity they're going to have to come up with, I would not be surprised, you know, if, if you're taking a look at financials to potentially see Kirk getting an extension uh, just to fix the, fix the cap situation and create some flexibility in the years to come because, if this core works this year, they're going to want to continue to do everything they can with restructuring deals, um, you know, down the line when the cap gets more tricky in 2019 and 2020 to keep this unit together. 
Courtney Cronin of ESPN.com joins us. Uh, Stefan Diggs and Anthony Barr, it seems uh, fait accompli. These guys are going to be getting their money uh, maybe sooner rather than later. If Barr, you know, he missed the first day of OTAs getting his rookie contract insured, but, you know, raised a little, a few eyebrows because he wasn't there. Should he wonder why he's kind of at the back of the line? I mean, is there a snag in negotiations or is just this how it's naturally playing out? You know, when you take a look at Anthony Barr's situation and any other outside linebacker that doesn't, that isn't sent in to rush the passer, I think that that's why there's some of this holdup, or at least what we perceive as a holdup. Um, you know, the Vikings not publicly come out and said, hey, well, we value our pass rushers, but money talks. And the money that they've given to Neil Hunter that potentially could have been, you know, the Anthony Barr money that, you know, many were expecting he would be somewhere next in line and very well still could be next in line for an extension. Um, but the fact numbers are not there. We did see with, uh, with Anthony, I mean, this is a guy who in 20, 2012 and 2013, his uh, last two years at UCLA had 23 and a half sacks. He was, you know, coming off the edge and getting to the quarterback often uh, with the Bruins. And then he was, you know, that role kind of changed for him when he got to Minneapolis and was dropping back into coverage. Um, but there's, there's just not as much value placed on linebackers in this day and age of the NFL when, when the Vikings are you know, a team that's con- 70% of the time they're in their nickel package. Um, maybe that's the reason that we're starting to see, at least we saw in minicamp, Barr working on the outside um, and, and potentially being part of that defensive line rotation this fall. I mean, I think it's still too early to tell because it was just minicamp, minicamp and they're in shorts and T-shirts. Uh, but, you know, that, that to me is a sign that his role very much could change this year. Um, I don't know whether you've given the money beforehand or not, but, you know, everything that I've been hearing and all of the indications point that Anthony Barr is still very much, you know, wanting, wanting to be kept by the team and should be getting an extension at some point soon. It's just a matter of when and how they can do it and then try to keep Stephon Diggs, I think, just to wrap up this point, um, the one thing that was interesting to me yesterday, Rick Spielman, first time I've heard him say uh, publicly that they are trying, actively trying to keep both players. He's been very keeping that very close to the vest for a number of months when he's been asked about how are you going to do this with the cap the way it is and, it is, and as tricky as it is after signing a quarterback to a three-year $84 million guaranteed deal. Um, it sounds like they are really in the works of trying to make this work however they can to keep both players because both players are foundational guys on this team. All right, so we're only four weeks out from training camp, but I guess it's never too early to talk about expectations. Uh, where With Kirk Cousins, I mean, that's all anybody's going to be talking about from here until the first game of the season because this is a mostly intact team coming back, and obviously he's the major addition. Uh, where... Where did he leave off after OTAs and minicamp as far as where he's, how he's connecting with his receivers, how he's integrating with uh, John DeFilippo's offense? Where is he at right now, and, and, and what should we expect to watch from him in the early going of camp? You know, I think Kirk is where he needs to be, uh, at least right now, because you can't, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exam you're try, t- trying to cram for. Uh, in the matter of April 16th to what, the end, you know, June 14th was the end of uh, minicamp. So he didn't really have all the time in the world to, to learn uh, an entire new scheme. So this off season, and I asked him about, like, what does the off season look like? Are you going to try to get with your receivers? Are you going to be, you know, diving into the playbook? And, and for Kirk, it's going back over everything he learned or didn't learn or wasn't able to grasp the first time and then, 
you know, within the rules of the CBA, uh, being in contact with his coaches, John DiFilippo and um, Kevin Stefanski, and trying to, you know, come up with different play designs, see what worked, what he liked in camp, what he didn't like, um, and potentially changing some things up. So when they get going in August, late July, early August, uh, he'll be ready to go. But I think we heard some really positive things uh, this this spring from you know all of his all of his weapons. Particularly, we've talked to Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen about their session in Atlanta and kind of how that translated to to what we saw on the field. And you know, with Dalvin Cook coming back, uh, you know, and expected to be ready to go for for training camp, uh, full go for training camp and full go for week one. Uh, that's a good position for Kirk to be in because he knows that he's got a number of security blankets around him. I think the offensive line is the biggest question mark and still will be so, uh, you know, throughout the first few weeks of camp. But, you know, his education is a continuing process. He's definitely, and he said, behind the eight ball, uh, more so than other guys who are learning this new offense, because a lot of the concepts that DiFilippo, uh, you know, inherited are, are much of the same for the guys who've been in, you know, Pat Shermer's system and then from there what rolled over from North Turner's system. All right, Courtney, appreciate the insight. Safe travels, and we'll catch up with you at training camp. Okay, thanks, Murph. All right, that was Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. This is Murphy, Brian Murphy, in for Pat Royce on the ride. We'll be back to wrap up the final half hour right after this. Five thirty-one on Thursday afternoon. John Hyden with a final update. Thank you, Murph. This update sponsored by Credit Karma. Get your truly free credit score and free credit monitoring from Credit Karma. Download the Credit Karma app today. Credit Karma. Get knowing. The Twins are still playing baseball today. They're in the twelfth inning, bottom of the twelfth, actually. Even if you're the Twins, don't you just want them to score so this thing is over with? <laughs> what? What kind of attitude is that? Oh, I can tell you a bunch of people in the press box are thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> the White Sox do have two people on there. Two outs, Chris, in the 12th. Well, the 12th. honest question, though. Aren't they just going to go back to the same hotel room? Because they're, they're yeah. staying in town. This isn't really getaway day. Yeah. Yeah, not really. It's kind of get hammered day, pretty much, in the south side. It's one-to-one. Twins uh, in the 12th inning. Logan Morrison, Hobart for the Twins. Jake Odorizzi had a good start. Six innings, three hits, no runs. So, uh uh, we'll see. We'll As see I told Johnny Height, Murph, uh, the only thing that would make this better for me is if old Matt Blyle came in and coughed her up here in the bottom of the 12th. <laughs> oh, That'd be a perfect exclamation I could just see your head will game. explode, though. Well, he has no business being on the roster anymore. He's I think completely you've that, garbage. You've made that abundantly clear. Yeah. The uh, Twins said uh, have announced they'll start lefty Alberto Mejia on Saturday. He'll come up from Rochester to make that start. Uh, speaking of that game and the series, you Darvish threw a bullpen session today for the Cubs. Still has pain, though, in his right triceps muscle. He will not be returning to the Cubs rotation this week, and they had set him up to possibly start that Saturday game against the Twins. Joe Madden said after his workout today it didn't go that well, and he was not able to cut it loose. We'll reevaluate once we go back to Chicago and let you know the next step. Uh, other Major League Baseball games today. Arizona beat Miami 4 to nothing. Uh, Zach Greinke, he went seven innings, gave up no runs. He also became the first pitcher in 12 years in the major leagues with at least two hits, an RBI, oh, wow. a run, and a stolen base. Holy cow. Yeah, full day for Zach. Uh, we're on to the 13th, by the way. On to the 13th yep. inning in the Twins game. Just right. endless farce. <laughs> Good grief. Well, I'm glad you said farce. You, Just, you made me a little nervous, Manny. Oh, yeah. no. no I, I know better. Horse bleep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oakland beat the Tigers four to two this afternoon. Seattle uh, to beat uh, they beat Baltimore four to two despite Manny Machado's twentieth 
home run of the season. Uh, the Cubs beat the Dodgers 11-5. to Encouraging news for the Dodgers, though, despite the loss. Clayton Kershaw started, went five innings, gave up four hits, one run, and six strikeouts. Colorado leads the Giants 7-6. to They are in the eighth inning. Former North Dakota guard Gino Crandall is visiting the Gophers today. He'll also visit Gonzaga this weekend. He's expected to help out wherever he goes. He's a two-time All-Big Sky performer, and he was a starter on UND's NCAA tournament team in 2017. Uh, I'm going to ask for Manny's help here because uh, he knows how good I am with basketball names. Uh, Johnny K., who knows, he's reporting the Timberwolves have extended the con- uh, qualifying offer for... Nemanja Bielica. Thank you very much. I could have got the Bielica. Just call him Belly. Yeah, I, I never got the rest of it, so <laughs> there you go. What does that mean? Uh, well, he's a restricted free agent, so that means they can somebody can swoop in and, and offer him you know, a contract and the Wolves would have X amount of days to match. To match and if they don't, do they get something in comp- as compensation? No, they return? just, they just, they just, just get the right to match the contract. Yeah. Got it. Which I don't imagine because they're so tightly strapped with cash and trying to stay below the luxury tax. I don't imagine that he's going to be back with the team. So, hmm. NFL has announced Buccaneers quarterback Jameis Winston will indeed miss the first three games of the 2018 season as a result of a suspension arising under the personal conduct policy. Did you get... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Johnny. He was accused of groping an Uber driver. The uh, deadspin piece that came out about him a day or two ago, I didn't think it was possible to dislike a player more. And I did not like Jameis Winston before I read that, (laughs) but my God, is he unlikable. Winston, That's all I have to say about that. Winston has accepted the punishment. He will not appeal. He did release a statement. Here's what the statement said. First and foremost, I'd like to say I'm sorry to the Uber driver for the position I put you in. It's uncharacteristic of me, and I genuinely apologize. No, no, it's a completely characteristic. For what, James? For what are you apologizing? Oh, he doesn't get into that. Mm-hmm. I apologize to my teammates, the Buccaneers organization, and fans for letting them down and for not being able to be out there for the first three games of the season. Although I'm disappointed in the NFL's decision, I understand the NFL's process. I embrace this as an opportunity to take advantage of the resources available to help me achieve the goals that I have for myself. Uh, Also, Winston said in the statement he has to hold himself to a higher standard, added he has eliminated drinking alcohol. Uh If you're a Tennessee Titans fan, you have to be thanking the heavens that the Buccaneers took Jameis Winston instead of Marcus Mariota. Uh (laughs) But think about the Tampa Bay organization. They oh, have yeah. to decide whether they're going to keep this guy around and pay him $100 million as the franchise quarterback. Good luck with that decision. Think, He's a complete knucklehead. It. You can't trust Or if this you guy. let him go, you just ruined yourself for the next four years. Yep. NFL also has concluded its investigation of former Panthers owner Jerry Richardson. They find him... $2.75 million wow. after charges of workplace misconduct. The that's fines, couch cushion change. For yeah, him. that's true. He did yeah. make what? How much, What was it, five-something? What did he make off the sale of this team? Was I it don't know the number, billion? but it's, you know, they're, they're all over a billion now evaluated. The fines will support organizations addressing race and gender-based issues and fund league-wide workplace training. Richardson immediately put his team up for sale after a report in Sports Illustrated that he used racially insensitive language around a scout and sexually harassed female employees. That's really smart, Jerry. When your star player and star quarterback is an African-American, that's uh-huh. smart to make racially insensitive <laughs> remarks. That's really smart. Yeah, nice job. 
Uh, Kyle Rau has signed a two-year, two-way deal with the Wild. He spent most of his time in the minors last year with the Iowa Wild. Had a good season, scoring 50 points, 23 goals, 27 assists. He's 25 years old. He also played three uh, three games excuse me, with the Wild. Saw action in a postseason game as the Wild were eliminated in the first round by the Winnipeg Jets. And at the World Cup today, Colombia beat Senegal one to nothing. A lot of one to nothing games today. No, not in soccer. <laughs> one nil. One, one nil. nil. Let's say one nil. Good point. Colombia beat Senegal one nil. Poland beat Japan one nil. Belgium beat England one nil. And Tunisia beat Panama two to one. Oh, blowout! High scoring game there. <laughs> that sets up the round of sixteen: Belgium against Japan and Colombia against England. College World Series. Oregon State, Arkansas, play for the whole works tonight. Uh, it's a best of three series, of course. Oregon State uh, pulled one out last night after it looked like they were going to lose. Arkansas, says my guy Les Miles likes to Arkansas. say. Arkansas. Arkansas. <laughs> I had a buddy used to call him that in high school, actually. For real, though. He thought that's how you said it. The guy from Mandan? The guy from Mandan. Oh, yeah. you, are, you are correct. Yeah. Winner tonight wins the College World Series. All right, Sammy Sosa. Still in denial, and he ain't living in a river by Italy. I just blew that whole thing. <laughs> Sammy over, Sosa, start over, start over, Sammy start over. Sosa, still in denial, and he ain't living by in a river down in. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Can I throw a stat at you, Brian Murphy? Oh, sure. Before you can you always throw a stat at me. You don't even have to ask. Uh, this from Lavelle E. Neal, who is chronicling today's uh, game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buznitz struck out uh, Matt Davidson to end the 12th inning. They are now in the 13th inning. Uh, Lomo had a double. He's on second base with two outs in and the uh, top still of the third. Pitching. The teams today, boys, are a combined 0 for 20 with runners in scoring position because the Twins scored their lone run on Lomo's home run and the Whiteys scored on a bases loaded walk. walk. Well, Adrianza can make it 0 for 21 here awfully quick. This is one of the most disgusting baseball you know games what this, I've ever witnessed. You know what this reminds me of? Remember when the Vikings went to Lambeau and tied? Yeah. Day after Thanksgiving weekend a couple years ago. When Rodgers was hurt. Rodgers was hurt, yep. and I think Seneca Wallace started for the Packers. Oof. And then I think it was... No, it was Matt... Uh, Maybe Matt Flynn started. Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn started. And then Seneca Wallace or Wasn't it Scott Tolzien, Tolzien yeah. or somebody finished the game. <laughs> and Ponder, Ponder started for the Vikings. And yeah, it, it ended in a, like a 24 all tie. And I don't think anybody like even got into tie. scoring position at all yep. or, uh, in, in the overtime. That, I was there to cover this, that game, and it was cold. That's what this reminds me of. Just two teams that are just god awful. By the way, know. for, you know, there are two runs combined. 16 hits combined, Ugh. and yet the game is now four and a half hours old. I mean, just agony. Just an awful product. And yet there are people still in the stands. Well, they're still serving. Really, though? Well, maybe not after the seventh inning. That's even worse. The seventh, yeah. So that's six innings of non-drinking. Unless they have the area like the Champions Club where she's open throughout the whole game because you know your ticket is included with everything. Well, yeah. think about this, too. If you're there... I mean, this is Chicago. If you're there, you're right in the teeth of rush hour right now. Good anyway, point. do you want yeah, to deal good with point. that? Do you want to leave the ballpark and deal with that stuff right now? You know, or do you want to get on the train and be stuck on the train <laughs> for a couple of you, hours? You posed the question earlier: Will Royce make it to Chicago before this game ends? And I think it's about even yeah. money right now. You know what? That's worth putting out on Twitter. I'm going to do it right now. Oh, you're going to steal my line? Well, no, it's all good. Okay, 
Uh, Sammy Sosa seems oh, to be on a redemption tour or a potential redemption tour. He's, yeah. I think, featured in the upcoming issue of Sports Illustrated's Where Are They Now, that annual midsummer. There's nothing going on, so we're going to you know, interest you with a bunch of people you haven't heard of in a while. He also gave an interview to ES, or E60's Jeremy Shap that I think is going to air, is it Sunday morning? Or at some point, it's going to uh, Yeah, E60 Sunday morning Sunday at morning. Central, yeah. Uh, where he, uh, unlike his rival, Mark McGuire, who has come clean about his obvious steroid use mm-hmm. uh, during the 1998 season and subsequent season, when, but 1998, of course, that summer when he and Sammy Sosa were in the epic chase for Roger Maris's record. But Sosa has never admitting to using, admitted to using performance-enhancing drugs despite the eye, can't, the eye evidence not passing the eye test, and also the fact that he was named in a New York Times article uh, that that there were 150 ballplayers, I think it was 2003, who did test positive. The Times didn't just make this up. They had access or had sources that leaked them the information that 150 ballplayers did test positive with no repercussions because this was when baseball was trying to figure out how to attack this issue and how they should punish players, and they wanted to see, well, let's see how many are actually doing it, and 150 were, including Zosa. Quote, I never had a te- I never had a test positive in this country, said Sosa, <laughs> who talked about his career in baseball and his life outside the game in a wide ranging interview. Yeah. Asked again specifically if he used performance enhancing drugs, Sosa told Shap, No, my friend. Never asked Shap? No, I never missed any test at the major league level. Uh that is some major league deflecting right there, not answering the question directly. And finally, to be clear, he added I have never taken illegal performing performance enhancing drugs. I have never injected myself or had anyone inject me with anything. Uh, but I want to, it's almost like somebody asking, I don't know, did you order the code red? I never speak in colors. Mm. Why did you make a right turn? I don't use blinkers. When did you get up this morning? I never sleep. Not a direct answer to the question that was yeah. posed to More deflection. More deflection. But, yeah. I mean, come on. Is there anybody out there that doesn't think or believe that Sammy Sosa was not using steroids? And what's interesting about that is it almost appears that he's doing this to enhance his case to get in the Hall of Fame. Well, it's never going to work happen, out for Sammy. Pete Rose, did it? No, and deny, it's never going to happen. Deny, 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 then you, come clean. It's too late. Don't you almost become more is empathetic? Is that the right word? To the voters or to the fan base if you actually just flat out admit guilt? Because look at Andy Pettit. I don't know about uh, empathetic, but I think you earn a little more credibility if you do come clean. I mean, McGuire's come clean, and, and Manny and I were talking A-Rod. about this. Uh, A-Rod. Manny and I were talking about this before the show. It's almost like Sosa or Roger Clemens have told them, told them have been denying this for so long that they've actually convinced themselves that they didn't do anything. I call it the O.J. Simpson. Uh, Simpson do you put Bonds syndrome. in that same character? Oh, of course. And he's not even out there denying it anymore. He's just in a hole somewhere. Um, these guys didn't pass the eye test. It's clear these guys use steroids. They put up numbers that have not been matched since and had never been accomplished before. Barry Bonds actually made an appearance at AT&T Park uh, the other day. Isn't he a hitting coach? Or he was being considered? Oh, that's McGuire. He was with, no, he, Bonds was, he was with, with Miami. the Marlins. Yeah. Okay. But he, they were, I think they were like celebrating the 2002 World Series team or something okay. like that. Yeah. And Bonds made an appearance. He walked out on the field, and he looks like a complete. Now, obviously, he's 
hasn't played in a decade, but he looks completely different. Of course, like he's just he's he's skinny and is he, he back just, to what he was pre nineteen ninety six or something. He's back to pirate. He looks like pirates Barry Bonds. Right, obviously older now, and you know in his fifties now. But yeah, I mean he just looks completely different. It's it's obvious. So it's just like at this point, it's obvious. I mean, the numbers. We all know we're not course, stupid. Just not. own up to it. Own up to it, and then maybe somebody will. Cons- I, I still think it's going to be a while before the gatekeepers, i.e., the writers, allow any uh, known or admitted or proven steroids abuser to get into the get into the league. They've shut out Clemens. They've shut out uh, McGuire, uh, Palmero. Uh, I don't know. His Bonds has probably been up at this point. How long has he been retired? At least five oh, years. Oh, yeah, because, in fact... Uh, 07, I yeah, think, it's was been, the last okay, year for years. Bonds. 07 or 08, maybe. Sorry. And, 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 no, but it's it's usually five years, right? Isn't mm-hmm. that when you're eligible? Yeah. I mean, yeah, these guys are... I don't know what the numbers, if they're ticking up. I think they might be ticking up a little yeah. as some of these older writers retire and some of the younger writers come in that don't maybe care as much or just weren't as you know plugged into baseball <laughs> while this was going on was that a, was that a walk it was a really? basis loaded walk <laughs> for the twins so they that's remain. how they take the lead that's how they have taken the lead thanks to hector santiago oh, oh my, my god this has now Un- become the unreal. funniest baseball game i've well, ever seen that's how the white Sox, uh you know tied the game in the ninth off rodney was a basis yeah. loaded and walk. that was a borderline pitch and you can tell that was the plate umpire going my God, somebody just win this game. Yeah, somebody that was, score that was high. a run. <laughs> uh, Sammy Sosa, too, by the way. I mean, it's not just PEDs in terms of alterations that he's made to himself over the years. Obviously, he looks just f- physically, I mean, visually, he looks completely different than he did. Has he had some plastic play. surgery done, you think? Or? No, have you have you seen him? I, ha- I, mean, I haven't, really. Yeah, he's, uh, let's just say he's a little um, he's a little brighter now. Than what he was. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Just, uh, the just pig, Google, like Google. pigmentation work? Oh, yes. Like Michael yeah, yeah. Jackson? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. really? He, he, All right. uh, he went down that route. Yeah. So if he still did maybe maybe if he turns himself into a white man and he can lie his way into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, we'll be back to wrap up the ride with Royce. This is Brian Murphy in for Royce on 1500 ESPN. and White Sox grinding along here in the bottom of the 13th. The White Sox put their leadoff man on against uh, Bucinitz, and yep. uh, it's now, well, the Twins are have a 2-1 to lead after scoring on a bases-loaded walk in the top of the 13th inning, so they're clinging to a one-run lead, but the Sox are kicking up their heels a little bit, and this as Manny the, said, uh, you think this uh, game should just keep going? I, 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 I was just telling Reavers, I, I would actually wouldn't mind if this game continued going just because of the pure... They all deserve it. Comedy of it. Yeah, they deserve I mean, it. Yeah, they, what was it, 21? And Phil Miller and all the... <laughs> oh, yeah. That, these guys are dying. But well, at least yeah. at least they're staying in Chicago. And so... Well, uh, this is cutting into Lavelle's partying time in his hometown, by the way. By the way, he just stole seconds. So now we got yep. a runner in scoring position. So Chris Myers has been tracking yes. Patrick Royce's Where train is Waldo? Trip, and I had wondered aloud, and I put it out on Twitter... What's going to happen first? The conclusion of this game that started at one o'clock, or Patrick's voyage finally taking Which began him to Chicago. at ten a.m. I believe did it not? I think it might have even started earlier. Well, than it was that. supposed to leave at eight thirty, but I think he said they didn't leave. Oh, is that what it was? 10. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Chris tweets out tracker. Patrick is now, and this was about five minutes ago. Patrick is now just north of Glenview, Illinois. Estimated time of arrival in Chicago is now six twenty-six p.m. If they tie this game, 
It's going to be even money. In the bottom of the 13th, right? 13th, yep. Bottom of the 13th. We might have ourselves a draw at some point here because something's got to give. Maybe Pat could just go to the ballpark and cover the ending. Think about that. He probably he could. He'd probably make it. Well, but does it make a good column? Does the L go to the south side? There is an L that does go to the south it side. It does. Yes. Okay, because the only time I've ever taken it is just to get to Wrigley. Yeah, I don't know which line it is. Uh, the blue line goes from O'Hare into the city, and then there's a southbound train that goes well beyond down ninety four. Okay, goes well beyond again Comiskey and Park. What is it called? Guaranteed, guaranteed rate, rate, rate field. Whatever. I call it Comiskey Park. And we figure to, uh, yeah, this game's going to continue on a little bit longer. We have an injury now as the. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. Sanchez. Somebody got drilled? No, Sanchez uh, looked like he, I think he hurt his, his ankle, ankle. Yeah. running to first base, stepping on first base. So, yeah. So, Sammy Sosa, <laughs> it, well, let me ask you this before we get out of here, real quick. Who's the first steroids guy that does get into the Hall of Fame? If, if, if any of them do. I think it's going to be Bonds. Yeah, I think it might be McGuire just because he fell on his sword, like you were saying earlier. He are, he did. Yeah, yeah. And Bonds has always had the anti and the writers media hate campaign. Yeah, you could be right there. You you probably you you might be right on that. What one. I'd like to see is one of these guys be magnanimous and just say, you know what? I hit seventy home runs in nineteen ninety eight. I didn't deserve this. You Roger Maris a, deserves this record. You know what's amazing about McGuire? And this is probably a little bit of a hot take coming here. Outside of hitting home runs, what did he do? Well, earlier in his career, he was a little <laughs> bit of a better hitter, but he turned out to be a, a Logan Morrison 190 guy. And he was actually a an All-American pitcher at uh, in college. Somewhere in California, yeah, right? I th- was it USC? That sounds right. Yeah, I can't remember. It might be a bit of a hot take because he's, 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 I mean, the, the no, numbers not, are inflated. I'm not, it, but... I'm not saying he was not good. I'm just saying, like... Okay, he broke the he, he broke the record, had it for a couple of years. He was obviously juicing when he did it. So it's kind of like, eh. But when he was in Oakland, yeah, he when had, he, he was, was a regular, he was a decent hitter in Oakland. He drove in a ton of runs. And he had Jose Canseco was, behind was him, he, too. Was he clean in Oakland, though? Probably yeah, not. Probably not. No, yeah, probably see, not. I mean, that's, yeah. Well, guys, it was a pleasure being back here. I'm going to be Thanks, right Mark. back here tomorrow. Let's do Good it. Stuff. All right, thank you. Brian Murphy in here for Patrick Royce. Hopefully he'll make it to Chicago by tomorrow. Uh, Thanks for listening. I'll be back tomorrow again from 3 to 6. Signing off here from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. To slip away somehow.